you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the California Underground. I'm your host, Phil. Does it feel like we're living in Groundhog Day? Because it just seems like no matter what we do, it just Newsom keeps putting us back in the same position we were six, seven, eight, nine months ago. Also, it seems like he's always rolling out some new form of lockdowns and restrictions. So are we done with the color-coded chart of confusion? Is that is that now over? Or what goes on with the color-coded chart of confusion at this point? That's what I'm, I'm really curious about. Because now there's all this new uh, talk of the lockdowns based on your ICU, which used to be based on case positivity. Uh, you know, the numbers keep changing daily day. So are we still with the color-coded code, color chart of confusion? Or are we now moved into this just this lockdown, this new lockdown? kind of measure, which is what I like to call uh, lockdown part due electric boogaloo. Basically, the second time we are now doing this, I had a whole monologue set out, but then this came up and I figured this would probably be the best thing to start to show off with and, and, and discuss right away, because I'm not sure really what we're going to at this point. I'm not really sure where he's going with this. And I've said this before. I think he's backed himself into a corner where he doesn't really himself know what to do anymore. When it went from the local control to now it's the state control, he is now backed into a corner where he has to keep doing something to make it look like he actually is making any sort of progress. So he moved it from cases, now it's ICUs, it was test positivity rate, it was deaths. You know, we keep moving all the goalposts back and forth. Now, at first I thought, when he came out with this whole new lockdown thing, I, I said, well, that's not that bad until I saw that it was by region. OK, that was something that I had a little bit of an issue with is that it wasn't just county because here in San Diego County, we've been doing a stellar job, in my opinion, although I'm sure somebody, some blue check mark leftist out there will definitely comment and say, I guess you're OK with thousands of people being dead. I don't even, I don't even think it's thousands of people who have passed away here in San Diego County. And our numbers are very, very low compared to LA County, which brings me to my point that at first I thought, well, that's not that bad if it's just county by county. If that's the new regulations that if you, okay, if your county has less than 15%, you have to go into this new lockdown. I said, that's, that's actually not that bad because I knew San Diego was good. I knew we were in a good spot. I knew that we never really were in trouble yet. We had it under control. But then I saw, and someone corrected me, that it's actually by region. And it's these huge swaths cut out across the state, which really don't make any sense. Southern California is LA, St. Louis Obispo, San Diego County, Riverside County, Orange County. We're all lumped together. Now, Southern California is going to get the old banana here. For one reason, because L.A. can't keep anything under control. Now, mind you, L.A. was the spot where, let's see, we had BLM protests way back in the summer. Uh, tens of thousands of people showing up, walking down Hollywood Boulevard. That's not a big issue, right? That's not a big issue because Mayor Garcetti actually marched with that protest. Okay, that's fine. 
And then we had the Lakers won, and that was a big rally, and that was a big to-do. And the Dodgers won, and that was a big to-do as well. And then we had Thanksgiving, which they're going to blame everything on Thanksgiving. They're never going to say it had to do anything with their beloved sports teams, the Lakers, and definitely never had anything to do with BLM protests. So LA is, for a lack of a better term, they are dragging the rest of Southern California down with it. And to me, that doesn't really seem fair or logical. And the ICU percentage takes into account everybody who is in the ICU at that particular time. And to me, that seems a little worrisome and illogical because at this time, we're now entering the winter months where things get colder, inland gets a little bit colder, mountains get a little bit much colder than they do in LA or San Diego. And there's definitely, and historically, most hospitals run around 80 to 90% of capacity in ICUs in the wintertime. So he picked a number of 15% and thought, that should be good enough. And then he said that it's going to apply to all these different regions. So we, we went from judging it by county by county because they're big counties to now it's just by region. So now essentially most of California is locked down again, not based on the fact that your county is doing a better job, but because you're lumped in with someone like LA who can't get it under control. And LA now is banning people from walking. They're banning people from even driving. You're supposed to literally stay in your home. You're under house arrest until further notice. Christmas is canceled. Everything's canceled. Hanukkah's canceled. Kwanzaa is canceled. Although he would never say Hanukkah and Kwanzaa are canceled. He only just says Christmas is canceled. Why do they always just go after Christmas? That's always my issue. Why do they always seem to just go right after Christmas? They never mention any of the other holidays. You ever notice that? It's just always Christmas. Christmas has to go. So here we are in this new form of lockdowns that lumps cities and counties all together, even if they're separately doing really well on their own. Does he think that this is going to work this time as opposed to the first time? Does he think that by doing this, it's not going to have, that it's going to look better than it did the first time? Does he think that it's going to make a difference that this time there will be vaccines slowly being rolled out in the next three weeks? And he says, well, it's three weeks at a time. And if you're in the Southern California region, I can tell you right now, you're not going to get out of this lockdown because you're going to be dragged down by L.A. Again, thank you, L.A., for all that you've been doing to fight the coronavirus. Um, You know, it's great your teams are doing well. Maybe be a little bit more responsible. And yet people can't go to church. People still can't open their businesses. But we are starting to see a little bit of glimmer of hope. And I think it has to do one county judge or yes, one county judge in L.A. Actually said to the county board of supervisors in L.A. based on the lawsuit and said, look, I'm going to put your whole outdoor dining thing on hold, which at this point is probably moot because before this, all this lockdown and this lockdown part due electric boogaloo. But they, uh, the judge actually said in a shocking ruling, said, look, you got to show us the science. 
You got to show people the science of why you're doing this. And I think that's really important for people to really push on a lot of their elected officials. We deserve to know the science. We deserve to see how are you making these decisions? What are you basing this on? What science are you basing all of this on? If you could show us concrete evidence to the public, you may win back some of their trust. Instead, you stonewall and you tell people to trust the science. Just trust it. Don't don't question what we say. Believe us, we have the top minds working on this and they are science people and you are not a science person. So just trust us. But for someone like Gavin Newsom, this might be a time if he really wants to earn the trust of people back in California, although I don't think that's even possible at this point, thanks to Laundrygate. I think at this point, that may be something he has to really look into and consider. If he wants to gain the trust of the citizens of California again, he may need to sit down and say, look, here's the science based on this. Allow people to object, allow people to ask questions, allow people to see it and say, well, your data says that it's not really spread at restaurants and outdoor dining. Your data really doesn't say that it's spread at gyms. It doesn't say it's spread when people go to retail, mom and pop retail stores. And maybe that's really what he's scared of. Maybe he's scared of the fact that if he shows this science, He'll show his hand. Maybe he'll show that he doesn't really have the science to back this up. I don't think there's anything wrong with asking. I think at this point, we deserve to know the science and the data. Instead of him lecturing us from inside his house with his self-quarantine because he came into contact with a CHP officer, which I think conveniently was right around the time that he had the whole laundry gate thing was exploding. No one's forgetting about the laundry gate. That's for sure. No one's forgotten about laundry gate. Now it's made national news. It's all over the place. Laundry gate's not going anywhere. Okay. But if you really want to get people back on your side, just show us the science, show us the data. In the beginning, we locked down because we didn't know anything. We had seen the pictures. We'd seen the videos of Italian hospitals being overwhelmed. That is, if you believe that they actually were the videos of Italian hospitals, because that footage was used again to say that these were hospitals in, here in the United States. But irregardless, not to go down that rabbit hole, we saw these videos and this, all this, and people were scared. We didn't know what was happening. Did it make sense in the beginning? Sure, absolutely. But we've had nine months of data and science to go off of. Is there a reason why ICU cases are much more right now? Is it because we live, because it's a winter time, because it's the flu? Is it really have to do with COVID? Are the ICUs full because it's winter time or because they are full because of COVID? These are the questions I think Gavin Newsom really has to address. And I think a lot of public officials have to address. It's not just... We're going to lock down because I say so because the ICUs are full. Well, why are the ICUs full? What if a medical professional comes forward and says, well, this has been the, you know, I've been practicing for 20 years in this hospital 
This is the way it's always been. It's always been 80-90% full in the wintertime in December. And if that's the case and more medical professionals come forward and say such a thing, does Gavin Newsom have to respond? Because before it was, well, more people were getting it, but they're not going to the hospital. And now it's all about the hospitalizations. It went from cases because people weren't going to the hospital. Now it's ICU cases. So here we are in another lockdown for three weeks in California. Just weeks before Christmas, before anybody had a chance to go out, really maybe do some retail shopping, get ready for the, the holiday season. Now it's don't go anywhere. Don't mingle with family. Christmas is canceled. Even the San Diego County Supervisor, Greg Cox, says, this is not the year to get together with family. This is the year to sit on your couch and drink hot cocoa and watch TV. Does it seem odd that our elected officials who are so worried about public health never actually talk about being healthy? Does that not seem weird to anybody? Does that not perplex anybody that the idea is the only thing you can do to be healthy is put a cloth mask over your face? That's the only thing you can do. And social distance, obviously. Wash your hands. But they don't talk about really the preventable comorbidities that could be contributing to any sort of COVID death. Instead, it's Stay home, order food in, order junk food, food from restaurants, order Taco Bell, order whatever. Just stay at home and watch TV in perpetuity. Just keep watching TV and stay home and eat unhealthy food. And that's it. Don't go to the gym. Don't exercise. Don't try and make yourself feel better. Don't try and improve your health. Don't try and lose weight. Don't try and do any of that stuff. Just stay home and be unhealthy. That's that's something that perplexes me and boggles my mind even now. That a state that is known for supposedly having so many people who are healthy, our elected officials really don't care about anyone actually going out and being healthy. They just care about you stay home, stay on the couch and eat junk food. So yes, here we are three weeks away from Christmas. Probably the last shot for a lot of these businesses to even think about staying open, to even have a shot, a prayer to stay open. And that's been taken away from them. Supposedly, there's some grants. Supposedly, there's some money. There's $500 million going around. I don't know how that's going to go around all of California. I, I doubt that does really anything for a lot of people. But here we are, a lot of these businesses who barely survived the first lockdown and the subsequent restrictions and the loss of revenue are now faced with more lockdowns. And in light of all this, they don't give you any answers. They don't tell you why this isn't essential. They don't tell you because they don't trust you. They don't want you to look at the numbers. They don't want you to ask questions. Albert Einstein, and I'm paraphrasing here. Obviously, everybody knows Albert Einstein, one of the most brilliant scientists in the past century. Said that the practice of science needs to be questioned. It's always about questioning science. 
It's about prodding. It's about poking and prodding and looking at data and looking at the science that we have now. You always have people, well, trust the science, trust the science, just listen to them, trust Dr. Fauci, trust the science. Don't, don't question the science, we've all figured it out. But that's not true, because we know now, just nine months later, more than we did. We know ventilators are not good. We know ventilators made it a lot worse in sick patients, right? We've learned treatments, we've learned how to, to help people. We've learned different ways to at least treat them until there's a vaccine. We've learned how to turn around more patients and get them in the hospital and out of the hospital. So right there, your your whole idea is debunked. That you should always trust the science. Because your science nine months ago is not correct. It was wrong and now it's been revised. Now we know more. But as Albert Einstein said, we have to continually push and question the science. Galileo was put under house arrest for the rest of his life because he suggested this crazy notion that the planets didn't revolve around the Earth. They, in fact, revolved around the sun. And they yelled at him and said, the science is done. We figured it out. Everything revolves around the earth. That's it. And he got put into house arrest. Even Newton, when he came up with the idea of gravity, science is settled. That's it. There's no discussing gravity. Now gravity is an accepted, absolutely fundamental, accepted scientific notion. Even Darwin, controversial as he was, came out with his his conclusion or his hypothesis about evolution. Obviously controversial in a world that was believed a lot more of what the religious teachings were than the science. He was decried as a a heretic. The science is settled. This is how long we've been around. This is what we know. And we're finding out more and more stuff all the time. We're finding out more about space exploration. We're finding more about electric technology. Science has to be questioned. It has to be prodded. So for the people who cry, trust the science, just trust the science, are the most unscientific people out there. Because they're not allowing people to actually engage in debate. They're not allowing people to actually look at the data and make educated findings for themselves. And now everyone's going to say, well, you're not a scientist. You don't know what they're talking about. Okay, well, why don't you just show the people, show the public, and I'm sure somewhere in the 40 million people here in California that there's going to be somebody who knows how to read any of this science and this data and ask a question. Or does every scientist or any person who knows science and medical uh, medical science, do they all work for the California government and Gavin Newsom? I doubt it, but that's their thinking. Their thinking is, well, you're too dumb to understand it, so just trust the science. It has to be questioned, it has to be prodded, and we need to know more answers. 
And we need to figure out how to get them to do such a thing, because if not, they're going to use this idea that it's for the public health and it's for the greater good, that they will use this to circumvent and get around any constitutional protections we have going forward. That is a fundamental question that worries me to my core is that in the future, how do we not know they're going to use this public health issue where they stonewall you on science, where they stonewall you on data, where they're in bed with each other. We have social media saying you can't bring up a study about Danish mass because that's inconclusive or we say it's debunked. Or you can't bring up a study about Wuhan, China that tested 10 million people and shows that there's no asymptomatic transmission. How are we to not know that they're just going to claim anything's a public health emergency? How are we? And this is crazy to think. But it's already been put out there. There's an article in Market Watch that said that climate change may be the next public health crisis. Climate change. Now imagine that. If they could declare climate change as a public health crisis, who's to say they can't do anything they want to reasonably address climate change? That they can circumvent all the protections and just say it's public health. If he wants to get more trust back into... If, he, if Gavin Newsom wants to get that trust back, a little shred of trust back, after laundry gate, it's time that maybe he actually talks to citizens and explains them through why we need to do what we're doing rather than this is it. This is the science. This is this is what we're doing. Trust the science and don't ask us any questions. OK, bye. I'm going back into my four million dollar mansion. And if we don't push our elected officials to give us the science, show us the data of where you're coming up with these solutions or these ideas then we can trust they'll never, ever feel like they have to show us their work ever again. Now, obviously, it, it's it's maddening what's going on with these lockdowns. And a lot of people say, well, we needed to do it properly in the beginning. We needed to do it. We didn't do it properly in the beginning. So we're, we're going to take another crack at it. But this time, we're definitely going to get it right. Do you think anybody, I think in the beginning, the first time was the only time you were going to get it right. I think the first time you had the political will of people to actually go along with all of this. But now, I don't think you have that political will anymore. I don't think you have that social social capital anymore to cash in on when it comes to these lockdowns. I think in reality, it's going to be much harder to keep people locked down this time. In the beginning, everybody was scared stiff. Everybody was out of their mind. Everybody thought that this was going to be the next smallpox, the next bubonic plague. Right? So that's why we all listened. We said, this is for the best of the country. We want to protect people. This is scary. We don't know what the hell is going on. Everybody just just stay calm. We'll figure it out. But nine months later, the on and off switch, the back and forth, the, the hypocrisy from elected officials and politicians. I think your lockdowns are not going to work this time. And I know he did it by region. But 
I would be surprised. And I feel like a lot of sheriffs and law enforcement out there, specifically, I saw L.A. County Sheriff Villanueva. Is it Villanueva or Villanueva? Said he's not going to enforce these lockdowns. As the, the sheriff of L.A. County said, I'm not going to enforce these, these lockdowns. People have been devastated by these lockdowns. Businesses have been wrecked by these lockdowns. They've done everything they could. And more and more county level officials are starting to say this. Businesses bent over backwards to comply because you said this was the way to keep us safe. That if we all wore masks and we did the plexiglass screens and the wiping down of stuff and all that, we could start to go back to some sort of form of normal economic activity. But that's what they said. That's what they said was the science. They said the science was, this is what we're going to do to make it so that we can get past this. I wouldn't be surprised if more and more sheriffs just thumb their nose at Gavin Newsom over this and say, I'm not going to enforce this. This is ridiculous. We've been down this road. Businesses have done everything they could to comply. They've invested thousands of dollars to make this work. The outdoor structures, which ironically are now just becoming small outdoor buildings. Anybody notice that? It seems like these these outdoor dining areas are just becoming outdoor buildings at this point. And so now we're eating outside, inside a, a makeshift structure or a tent, but we can't eat inside because God forbid, I don't know, it bounces all over the place. But I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of law enforcement just don't don't listen this time. And I think that's why this lockdown's not going to be as well adhered to as last time. I think that between the citizens being over it, even people who may have been Gavin Newsom devotees, voters, supporters in the beginning are now turning around going, I'm not doing it. I'm not shutting down. I'm not going to stop doing what I'm doing. I got to put food on the table. It's Christmas. Like what? What are you gonna make me do? What are you gonna What are you gonna do? If we all just don't listen, then we all just don't listen. And if law enforcement goes, well, we're not gonna bust people for celebrating Christmas, right? Which brings me to another point, right? Christmas is different than Thanksgiving. Christmas is a religious holiday. No matter how you want to slice it, Christmas is a religious holiday. Thanksgiving is a secular holiday. Christmas is a religious holiday. What happens when you're a state official and you tell people they can't celebrate Christmas? You tell them they can't go to church. They can't spend time with their family. Are you infringing on their religious right? Are you infringing on their free exercise of religion? Are you effectively infringing upon their religious liberties? We saw this past week with Gorsuch and the Supreme Court who said you can't now, nine months later, still restrict people from practicing their religion. There are some things as a religious person you have to do in person. Christmas is different. Christmas is a religious holiday. Thanksgiving was secular. And now you're telling people who celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah. What if you, have, for example, in Hanukkah, you get together, you pray together, you discuss the teachings of the Torah you go over what the story was. You light a candle every night. What if you have to do that with your family? What if that's what you do? 
Are you going to tell people they can't do that? Are you going to arrest them for that? I'd like to think law enforcement isn't going to do that. I don't think law enforcement's going to actually enforce a lot of this stuff. There's going to be some people who I think are going to stick to this. Noodles Jr., that I like to call him, Nathan Fletcher, here in San Diego County. He likes to pretend he's a a Gavin Newsom wannabe, little, little... Little Noodles Jr. with his slick back, greasy hair. Now he says the same thing. That we got we got to listen to science. We got to shut everything down. And I know it's going to hurt, but you know this. Is the, but he doesn't care about small businesses. So there's going to be officials like that. But you know the law enforcement, whether they're going to live up to it not or enforce a lot of this stuff will be yet to be seen. It looks like LA County, they're not going to enforce a lot of this stuff. And that's really the only way, I think, while we have a lockdown in place, I think the, the compliance this time around is going to be a lot harder. It's going to be a lot more difficult to corral people to make them do what they need to do. For all those people who are out there yelling, we didn't do it right the first time, we have to do it again. We did it pretty damn well. You're never going to have a perfect compliance of everybody. That's ridiculous in my mind. They think that there was going to be perfect compliance and they they blame. So they blame it on the small, small minority who may have not listened, right? Because I don't know about you, but in the original lockdown, we didn't see anybody. We didn't go visit anybody. We didn't go talk to That was... We were just home. We had to Zoom people. We had to have those Zoom happy hours. We couldn't have a drink with somebody. I thought people really listened to it. It was a ghost town. I mean, the whole neighborhood, it's like a ghost town. And that was pretty good compliance. It looked like everybody was listening. This time around, I don't think you're going to get that sort of compliance. I don't think you're going to get a lot of people who say, oh, yeah, I'm totally listening this time because we have to do it right. Nah, I think this time people are going to say, screw it. I'm staying open or screw it. I'm doing what I want. I'm going to go celebrate Christmas with my family. You're not going to stop me. Come and get me. So with that said, I know it's a big rant about the lockdowns and everything like that. But I think it's important because these lockdowns are... They're, they're scary to people. They're scary to people because the government just turning things on and off is scary to people because it, it shows how far the government really can go with their power under this whole public health emergency thing. I think people are just trying to hold on. I think people are just asking to be reasonable. And I don't think the government really has been reasonable. I don't think they've been reasonable and explained to people why these things need to be done. Like we, like I just said, I don't think people have been responsible in telling the people that elected them and that pay their salaries. What's the data? Why are we doing this? Because I doubt Gavin Newsom or anybody who works for him has been donating even a small portion of their check to help small businesses. 
Has he? I, I mean, I don't know. I haven't heard one politician in California, Republican or Democrat, I've never heard one politician who says, you know what? In these times of need, I'm going to donate 25% of my salary to charities to help food banks or something like that. Or I'm going to donate 50% of my salary. I, I haven't even heard someone say, I'm going to donate 10% of my salary. Not one politician in all of California has come forward and said, I'm going to donate this percentage of my salary back into charities and back into the community who needs it most because I have a good job. I'm, I'm obviously secure in what I'm doing. The taxpayers pay my salary. Therefore, I'm going to give back to the community that supports me and has elected me. I don't see it. Have you seen it? If, if you have, feel free to let me know because I, I haven't heard of it. I have not seen it. Okay, so some more news outside of what has been going on. A couple articles. I don't think I'm going to get to them. I did touch upon what's going on with the Supreme Court. So two stories, and I'll post the articles for you. Well, I'll give you a quick rundown of what happened. Gavin Newsom's administration, we discussed last week on the podcast about Gorsuch and his whole thing about religious liberty and his concurring opinion that basically eviscerated a lot of COVID arguments, especially when it comes to religious liberty and practicing and worshiping in person. There was another case that was filed a while back from California, and the Supreme Court ruled on it, and Roberts was the deciding vote, and he upheld that it was okay to restrict indoor worship. Now, in this recent case that's out in New York, they mentioned that case in California. And they said things were different back then. Again, it was nine months ago. We didn't know a lot what was going on. We didn't know the science of what's going on. And we didn't know how to protect or slow the spread. But now, as Justice Gorsuch said in his concurring opinion, we know more. We know a lot more of what's going on. Therefore, we shouldn't allow our full restriction on religious liberty and people practicing in person. So he mentioned this, the court case from California to contrast it and say there's a difference between what's going on then and what's going on now. So this ruling came out, which we discussed last week, and we went through a lot of it. So California, who heard this ruling, basically said, that's nice, we don't care. We don't really care. We're not going to listen to whatever the Supreme Court says. Gavin Newsom and his administration said, yeah, we're not going to listen to whatever Gorsuch says, even though they're on the Supreme Court. So we're not going to listen to that. We're still going to restrict indoor worship. So now in response to that, the Supreme Court sent a brief basically ordering the Ninth Circuit to re-examine their ruling on upholding the restriction, saying, look, Here's what we found. Here's what we believe. Maybe you should take a look at it. It's kind of like your boss coming into your office and saying, look, I'm not going to tell you how to do this or what you should be doing, but here's what I would do. And that's, I think, what the Supreme Court is basically doing. They're saying, look, we're not going to tell you how to rule on this case, but just to let you know, this is what we, the court one step above you, 
would do in this situation. So now you need to figure it out on your own. So a little bit of a win. We'll see where the Ninth Circuit goes with that and what they do with the the restrictions. It's not a it's not a whole. They didn't order all the churches to be open, all the places of worship to be open. However, it is pressure from the Supreme Court to say maybe you need to look at this all over again because this is what we found. So that is something that I think um, it's sort of good news, especially around the holiday season. It's probably good. This next article comes from Cal Political Review, titled "California's Gavin Newsom Presides with Aristocratic Hatur." Sorry, it's a little bit older, but I thought it was a good article because it kind of talks about his whole way of governing this whole time, and I think we start to see this. It's basically in a state like California that's a one-party rule. It's Democratic supermajority. They basically have, can do whatever they want. They can run the table. They're not worried about losing their seats or any of their power. It started to become like the aristocracy here in California. They just figure they could do whatever they want. Nothing's going to ever hurt them. So they're definitely become an arist. Why can't I say this word? Aristocratic class of politicians. So Cal Political Review titled California's Gavin is Precise with Arist. Why can't I say this word? Aristocratic hator. I got it. If Hollywood were to cast a governor and future president, and if a straight white male were still politically acceptable, he would look like California's Gavin Newsom, the 53-year-old governor, a former mayor of San Francisco. Newsom handsomely epitomizes the preening politics of California elite class that has nurtured and financed his career from the beginning. Like a Chris aristocrats from the past, Newsom seems oblivious to the realities felt by constituents among the lower orders. In the face of massive wildfires, he postures on climate change, conflating fires with an angry Mother Earth, as opposed to poor land management, and can uses the conflagration to justify a radical policy of switching to all electric power over the next decade, with the elimination of gas-powered cars by 2035. In the midst of a near-economic freefall, he favors raising taxes and works to tighten pandemic lockdowns. And with the state losing its ability to train workers, he backs an education system where almost three out of five California high schoolers graduate unprepared for either college or a career. Listening to Newsom or following California media, one would have no idea how badly California's economy has performed during the pandemic. In the most recent statistics, California's unemployment rate stood at 11%, well above the average national average of 7.9%, and better than only four other states. Since the March lockdown, California, with 12% of the nation's population, accounts for 16.4% of all unemployment. California is also is recovering jobs slower than all but two states, tourism-dependent Hawaii and Nevada. Since the pandemic, the state's largest metro, L.A. Orange County, has suffered the second largest job losses in the U.S., and two others, the Bay Area and the Empire, rank in the top 10. This awful performance has little impact on the state's politically and economically well-positioned ruling class. Newsom may be far from a popular governor, ranking in the lower third among his compatriots, but he enjoys a solidly Democratic legislature and almost lockstep support in the media. Voters are showing signs of getting restless, though, defeating proposals and taxes that he hardly endorsed, along with his public union and tech industry allies. Typically, he provided a position on Prop 22, the ban on contract labor, detested by tech firms, but deeply supported by the unions. Conservatives like to describe the label leftist politicians like Newsom. 
In reality, California's governor is no Marxist firebrand, but rather a favorite candidate of what the LA Times described as the coterie of San Francisco's wealthiest families, including the Fishers, who founded the Gap clothing chain, the Pritzers, whose family included the current Illinois governor, and especially the Getty family, which essentially adopted Newsom, financed his business ventures, and allegedly paid for his first lavish wedding while helping launch his political career. These families overall prospered in California's highly bifurcated economy among the least egalitarian in the nation. Its prime beneficiaries cluster among the state's post-industrial temperate zones. Newsom rose as a former assembly speaker and San Francisco Mayor Willie Brown suggests as the favorite spokesman for San Francisco's local well-to-do. He came from their world, and that's why they embraced him without hesitancy over and above everybody else. They didn't need to interview him. They knew what he stand for. Skipping down, the question is now how long Californians will put up with Newsom's posturing. Over time, high energy prices affect not just blue-collar industries, but also the rapidly departing tech sector. Artificial intelligence and live streaming providers are among the largest and fastest growing consumers of electricity. Ultimately, Newsom's political coalition of greens, the wealthy, and public unions could be strained by the state's deepening fiscal crisis. A high unemployment rate an already expensive welfare state will demand more money from the state's already beleaguered middle class. Some business leaders, notably Disney's Robert Iger, have balked at strict lockdowns on theme parks, which have been devastating to Southern California. Even the state's leading green entrepreneur, Elon Musk, has become increasingly critical of the state's lockdown regulatory policies. Dissatisfaction from the middle and working class may present an even greater challenge for Newsom. Dissent over green policies in particular has been growing of late, particularly among minorities and advocates for the poor. Newsom's attempt to raise property taxes on businesses amid the recession was defeated handily, mainly by voters outside Los Angeles County and the urban core of the Bay Area. As was his affirmative action push, financed lavishly by his wealthy backers, which also failed at the polls. Talk of a new major tax increase, up to 16% on top earners, is not likely to appeal to aspiring entrepreneurs. On November 3rd, California voted decisively for Joe Biden, but middle-class voters, including minorities, showed a surprisingly independent streak. Minority business groups bitterly noted in a letter to Mark Zuckerberg, the biggest backer of the measure raising property taxes, unlike Facebook, restaurant, dry cleaners, nail salons, and other small businesses can't operate right now, and may never, many may never open again. The last thing they need is a billionaire pushing high taxes on them under the false flag of social justice. Unless Newsom starts expanding beyond his narrow circle of backers, he may find himself facing a multifaceted peasant rebellion. One pitting unions against wealthy elites, the woke against the vast majority, and small businesses against big companies and the well-connected. To present a serious challenge to the state's one-party rule, California's floundering Republican Party needs to find a compelling candidate and raise money from what remains of its economic base. This may be too much to ask, but given its state's collapsing prospects, Gavin Newsom may face mounting challenges, if not in California, then at least to his national ambitions. Even the most elaborate preening has its limits. So, Gavin Newsom, world of pain, not doing so well. This is a great article because it really touches upon the feeling that's going on here in California. And we've talked about ad nauseum a lot, but we'll keep talking about it because it's important to keep really bringing up the sentiment that I feel is happening here in California at this moment. I think the sentiment right now in California is that there's a lot of people who may have voted for Democrats because they believe it was the right thing to do. They believe that morally it was the best option for them to do such a thing. 
But now they're starting to see the consequences of voting for Democrat after Democrat after Democrat. And Gavin Newsom being the head of the California Democratic Party, I mean, whether he is the head, he's the highest ranking politician in California, so therefore he is the head of the party. He hasn't done a good job aspiring hope in the Democratic Party here in California, leaving a big opportunity for the Republicans to find someone who can really reach out and create this coalition. Now, remember, last week I talked about there's going to need to be a gubernatorial candidate who can actually build coalitions out of these fractions, out of these different groups of people all over California. If there's going to be a serious contender, it's going to have to be someone who can put these um, coalitions together, who can bring disenfranchised Democrats, minorities, uh, small business owners, public union workers, all these people together to beat Gavin Newsom. Because he always gets the he's going to get the numbers out of the city, but you're going to need someone who can actually build that coalition. The opportunity is there. There is not probably not been a better time or a weaker governor at this point for the Republicans to really tr- bounce upon or, or pounce upon and use this opportunity to rebrand their entire party and come up with a party that really speaks to all these disenfranchised groups. Not just go with the same old, same old and hope it works and say, hey, remember us? We're the Republican Party. We're over here now. Hey, don't forget about us. They really need to work on themselves and really rebuild their brand. Talked about ad nauseum. It's worth repeating because they still won't do it. They still haven't done it. Hopefully they will do it. They need to find a candidate who can put all these pieces together, create a new sort of California Republican Party, one that is not is antithetical to what the Democrats here in California, especially in the country, they've really become. Democrats have really just become the party of the the snobby Ivy League elites, big business and big tech. Wall Street loves Democrats. Look at all the lobbyists who are getting positions in the Biden cabinet. Look at how big tech all fell behind Democrats. Look at who supports and it's all the elitist snobs at Ivy League schools who are talking down to everybody about woke social justice issues and classes. And that's really what Democrats are really becoming. They And like it or not, whether Trump pulls it out or not, Trump has changed the Republican Party. And the Republican Party would be smart to take his lead and look at being a working class party, a populist working class party that goes across all different lines of race, sex, national identity, or national origin, anything like that. If you're here and you're an American and you want the opportunity to work for the American dream, for the California dream, what used to be the California dream, that's what we're the party of. And we're here to provide that opportunity, unlike this aristocratic, hoity-toity, elitist party of Democrats run by people like Gavin Newsom, Nancy Pelosi, um, why am I blanking? A whole bunch of other AOC, you know, all these elitist Democrats who think that they're better than you. They can do whatever they want. No one's going to call them out. And that's what the Republicans really have to jump on. So hopefully they don't go back to this whole old establishment style of Republicanism. Hopefully they continue this strain and move forward and really take these all fractured pieces of the voting block and put it together.
because there's an opportunity there. They just have to jump upon it. So with that, I'm going to end a little bit earlier today. Talked a lot about the lockdowns because it was obviously the top of everybody's mind what's going on. Uh, This Tuesday coming up, so I don't know what date that is. This Tuesday, the hold on one second. Let me pull it up. This Tuesday, the 8th, there's going to be a live with uh, Diego Martinez, who is running for governor. He's a real gubernatorial candidate. Check him out. He's a real gubernatorial candidate, not just someone who says he's running for governor. We'll be doing it live at 6 p.m. Pacific time. Obviously, it's California. Uh, so go to my Instagram. If you haven't followed already, California Underground, follow there. You'll get the notification. We're going live 6 p.m. And then, as always, Wednesday morning, we'll be right back. California Coffee and California Politics. Uh, if you ever want to submit a question to the show, if you ever have anything you want to talk about, or if you ever have anything you want to discuss, email at California at California underground at protonmail.com. Leave a voice message by going anchor.fm forward slash California underground. Follow on social media. Instagram is usually the best place. And like always Friday afternoon, that's when we release these podcasts. So until next time, stay safe out there. I'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it. And follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 